Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health radio show where we talk about the crossroads of the environment, our health, and longevity with Richard Talk to Me Guy, and Sherry Edwards is off working on the Sound Health portal. I would suggest going to the soundhealthportal.com, scrolling down just a bit, and clicking on the Watch How button. You'll see a short video explaining how to record and submit your first vocal recording. Then go back to soundhealthportal.com, scroll down to current active campaigns such as cellular inflammation, PTSD, TBI, or neuroplasticity, and choose one that is of interest to you. Click on that campaign and click the free voice analysis, and the system will walk you through submitting your recording. You receive an email with your report back, usually in one to two hours. I suggest sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing that because there's a lot of information in there. Then if you have a practitioner that you could take it to that you're working with, an acupuncturist, an ND, a DO, a really cognitive MD like Dr. Levy, and talk about it. To hear and share replays of this show, 30 to 40 minutes after you hear the outro music, go to talktomeguy.com, scroll down that page, and you'll see the show at the top of the episodes page. There are also hundreds of shows available there as well. There's a microphone icon at the bottom right corner of all the show notes. If you would like to leave me a voice message with a question for a guest or a guest idea for a show, you can do that directly from the site and I will be notified. With that, Dr. Thomas Levy is a board-certified cardiologist and a bar-certified attorney. After practicing adult cardiology for 15 years, he began to research the enormous toxicity associated with much dental work as well as the pronounced ability of the properly administration vitamin C to neutralize this toxicity. He's now written 13 books, with several addressing the wide-ranging properties of vitamin C in neutralizing all toxins and resolving most infections, as well as its vital role in the effective treatment of heart disease and cancer. Others address the important roles of dental toxicity and nutrition in disease and health. Inducted into the Orthomolecular Medicine Hall of Fame in 2016, Dr. Levy continues to research the effects of orthomolecular application of vitamin C and antioxidants in general on chronic degenerative diseases, including heart disease. His ongoing research involves documenting that all diseases are different forms and degrees of focal scurvy, arising from increased oxidative stress, especially intracellularly and that they benefit from biooxidative therapy protocols that optimize the antioxidant levels in the body while eliminating pathogens. In particular, the cause and effect relationship between oral cavity infections and all heart attacks is now solidly established. Dr. Levy joins to talk about curing the incurables. Welcome, Dr. Levy. Hi. Hi, Richard. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. We've got... I've only got about four hours of show notes. I'm kidding, kind of. I'd like to start by asking you, why the JD? I mean, it wasn't hard enough becoming a cardiologist. Then you went back and thought, well, I'll do this. Was it just a self-protection tool? or? Well, pretty much self-protection. That's fairly accurate. At the time, I was in the early 1990s. I met Dr. Hal Huggins in Colorado Springs, Colorado, probably the most significant biological dentist or dentist of our time, uh, insofar as he integrated all the problems with dental work with so many different medical problems in the body, like Dr. Weston Price had done many years earlier. But anyway, uh, without needing to go into excess detail, I was impressed enough with Dr. Huggins, and he seemed to like me that. For a number of reasons, in the early 1990s, I literally just gave up my cardiology practice and started to do consultative work with Dr. Huggins' patients at his clinic in Colorado Springs. He saw patients from around the world with many advanced diseases that I had never seen respond well before to anything. Uh, and as I like to say, my medical education began with a dentist, Dr. Huggins. Anyway, in the course of seeing all these wonderful things, I also saw how vicious so much of the public can be when somebody is out of the mainstream and perceived more susceptible. Dr. Huggins, wonderful person, did so much good. He actually had a lawyer on retainer 
in Colorado Springs, probably to the tune of fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a month just to handle the nonstop garbage that came in from, you know, people just wanting to uh, harass them, bother them, get a piece of the action as it may be. And anyway, he played me so well, and I had so much time on my hands that at some point in time, I got the wild and crazy idea that the next step was a law degree. And so I did my commuting from Denver to Colorado Springs for three years and got it. And... As you pointed out at the outset, yeah, it's a bit of a self-protective type thing because um, there's a little more concern before somebody attacks you when you're a lawyer than not. And I think it's helped a few times already, but it certainly helped also, if you will, the clarity of my thought and how I express myself, how I analyze things. So... It might have been a pretty expensive and expensive way to do it, but I definitely found that it was clearly beneficial to my goals of trying to do solid research and educate the public as honestly as possible and as significantly as possible. It makes me think of uh, Jonathan Wright, who's a doctor who has a clinic still up in Tahoma, Washington, that somewhere in the between the 70s and 80s, they came into his offices, meaning people in flak jackets with guns, seized all his equipment, seized all his records, seized all his computers, took everything, put him out of business for about a year while they seized and harassed him. And I think what he got harassed for was giving B12 shots. And if he'd been a JD, I bet that would have gone a lot faster for him. And it just, it makes sense. It was really sort of, I completely understand why you'd want that ability to protect yourself because it's so much like you're wrong and we're going to take you down kind of weirdness going on. Well, it's the basic concept <laughs> of trying not to be the lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. That could be on your card for your JD side. That would be great. <laughs> what is orthomolecular medicine? Orthomolecular medicine. Orthomolecular is a term coined by Dr. Linus Pauling, the double Nobel Prize winner back in the 70s, I believe. <clears throat> and it was shortly after Dr. Pauling met Dr. Erwin Stone, who had written an extensive book on vitamin C and all the things that it does. And pretty much Dr. Stone introduced Dr. Pauling to vitamin C, who later wrote his book on vitamin C and actually did a, a world of good in getting the concept of the importance of vitamin C to the world population. But in the course of that, Dr. Pauling quite elegantly outlined that true medicine needed to be orthomolecular. And what did he mean by that? I mean, ortho is correct, molecular is molecular agent. Uh, the idea being then that all diseases, all medical conditions, literally 100% of them, involve the depletion, moderate, minimal, severe, of one or more natural agents. And the only way to resolve those conditions are to restore those levels. Okay, so you never get a deficiency of uh, chemotherapy or penicillin or tetracycline in your body, but you definitely get deficiencies of vitamin C and vitamin D and vitamin E, magnesium and other things that we've all now clearly shown just because it gets ignored by mainstream medicine doesn't mean it doesn't exist, that we've clearly shown underlie all diseases. And what determines how severe the disease is, generally speaking, is what other conditions do you have that's consuming those metabolic agents so rapidly, which is usually uh, chronic indwelling infections or the new exposure to new toxins? That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm familiar with it because for years, for a number of years, I traveled around doing whole life expos and various kinds of events. And I always would run to any lecture where Richard Coonan was speaking, a medical doctor mm -hmm. who started the San Francisco branch of orthomolecular medicine. And so I've heard him talk about it a lot, and he was really brilliant, and I really miss him in the universe. 
So I've always thought it was a leading edge kind of thinking, and I'm excited to hear yourself speaking on, about it. And I think it just makes so much sense. Give the body the well, nutrition. Well, you know, I would it say it's not the leading edge type of thinking. It's the only type of thinking. Medicine, modern medicine, or I shouldn't call it modern. I should call it contemporary medicine, current medicine. They make no attempt at all to understand why the disease is there. They identify a symptom. Oh, you got a headache, you got a fever, you got muscle aches, you got joint pains. We invented this product that interrupts these metabolic pathways, and then the pain gets lessened without any concern, awareness, interest at all in why did the disease or medical condition arise in the first place. So I wouldn't call it a leading a leading type of thinking. I'd call it the only real thinking. I mean, you, what else should a physician be doing other than making his or her most sincere effort to understand why a pathology exists. And yes, if you have something to reduce a symptom, fine, but don't make that the entirety of your treatment. Identify what's causing the pathology and also direct your attention at eliminating that cause or modulating it or knocking it down as much as possible. This is where we talk about the infections in the mouth, uh, the deranged gut, all these sort of things. We need to just, we, meaning contemporary medicine, needs to just stop being symptom-oriented and money-oriented and try to identify the causes of diseases and not be deterred, pardon my cynicism, not be deterred that the most effective therapy might be an inconsequential cost and you're just unable to legitimately soak the public to, to deal with that condition. Oh, boy. There's a whole show right there, but I won't start us that direction <laughs> because it just blows my mind. When did vitamin C come into your focus? Well, with Dr. Huggins. That's uh, okay. really what blew me away at the time was I had not yet left my cardiology practice. Uh, he said, why don't you come over to my clinic and see what we do? See if it interests you. See if you think we're doing something good. And I said, sure. And I still remember uh, one of my first few visits over there, a little old lady in a wheelchair was uh, getting into the dental operatory. And my goodness, uh, I checked in every now and then. She was getting extensive dental work, extractions. I mean, for hours, this is the type of thing, like when a college kid is wisdom teeth extracted, he or she goes to bed for a week. It just knocks the struts out from you completely. And what the case was with this little old lady was she started getting more and more energized visibly during the procedure. And I said, how is this possible? And by the end of the procedure, she was asking her caregiver, you know, to take her out for a great meal somewhere in Colorado Springs that night with, with whatever teeth she had left to chew with. And about that time, Dr. Huggins walked in, and I said, Hal, okay, I give up. Tell me what's going on here. And he pointed at the IV bag. I said, hmm, all right. I know about IVs. Uh, IVs don't do this. He said, well, it's what's in there that counts. I said, okay, I'll bite. What's in the IV bag, Hal, or Dr. Huggins at that time? And he said, 50 grams of vitamin C. That's 50,000 milligrams of vitamin C. Now, yes, this is the age where the government tells you 75 milligrams, a thousand-fold less, is really what you need on a daily basis. Well, this lady was getting a thousand-fold more than the uh, recommended daily allowance of vitamin C in the IV bag. And she was lighting up like a, a freshly blossomed rose. And it, literally, at that instant in time, I said to myself, I don't know what the heck is going on here, but I'm not in the habit of denying what my eyes have witnessed. And that literally began almost instantaneously my own personal voyage, trip, Camino with vitamin C, with all the research, and probably about Four years later, uh, I came up with my uh, first vitamin C book. 
Wow. If I remember, I know Linus Pauling did the leading research on vitamin C, but there was a Dr. Klenner who was using vitamin C before that, wasn't he, or was he? Do I have those yes. timelines correct? That's correct, but, but to give proper credit and not give proper credit, Dr. Pauling promoted the fact that vitamin C is wonderful. He didn't have a clinical practice. He wasn't a physician. He didn't mm. treat any patients. So, so it wasn't like his personal experience. But he did take a lot of vitamin C himself, so he clearly believed in what he was doing. But Dr. Klenner, Frederick Klenner, and I don't use this term very often, practically never, uh, is the genius involved in the applications of vitamin C. Dr. Albert St. Georgie, probably I think in about 1937, won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for the discovery of vitamin C. And I still have been unable to figure out how Dr. Klenner decided this or figured it out. Somehow, he was fascinated by vitamin C and shortly after his discovery, pretty much got together with one or more companies that to start producing vitamin C because at a time when vitamin C was very uncommon and still virtually unknown as a supplement, Dr. Klenner was getting high multi-gram doses, I mean 25, 50, 75 grams for intravenous infusion and somehow decided that giving this was going to knock out infections and help diseases. Turns out he was right, but I have no idea what gave him the boldness or the audacity uh, to just strike out and put such a large amount of a substance that pretty much not too many people knew anything about then. And a lot of, a lot of people don't know much about it now. But then for sure nobody knew much about it and got incredible results, uh, probably one of the most incredible prototypical results that Dr. Clutter got. And he published it in a paper uh, in the late 1940s uh, when there was a polio epidemic going on and he was in North Carolina, Reedsville, North Carolina. And being on the medical staff of several of the hospitals in Reedsville, uh, he got his share of people who presented to the emergency room without a physician. And so over, I think, probably several months, I don't know exactly how long, he saw 60 uh, infant and child cases of acute polio. Uh, many of them were documented with spinal tap. But all the diagnoses were, were, were for sure because they were identical clinical presentations in the middle of an epidemic. And diagnosis was not the issue. Anyway, by giving a combination of injected and oral vitamin C, in three days he completely cured 57 out of 60. And he continued the therapy for two more days in the other three, and then they were completely resolved and cured as well. So right there he showed definitively that he could cure 60 out of 60 cases of polio. So why on earth are we given the damn vaccine? Why on earth is this being ignored? No, no matter how much benefit you think the vaccine has done, the vaccine always has side effects. And lots of people had problems with the vaccine. Some studies show that the polio vaccine even caused more polio than it allegedly prevented. But be that as it may, science be damned. Klenner clearly proved how curable it was, and this has largely been ignored uh, to the present. There's one doctor I've interviewed a number of times, Dr. Walker, because he's a Canadian can't promote himself anyway, so he, he's been writing medical columns for 40 years. In his childhood, he had had some polio, and it was later on when he was doing research from time he had spent with Linus Pauling on vitamin C that he discovered that Dr. Klenner was clearing children with that then, and he has told a very similar story about Dr. Klenner. And I will add that Doc Giff, as he's known on his column, 
had a stroke in his 70s, somewhere in there, went back and looked at his research on Linus Pauling and has been taking upwards of 10 oral grams of vitamin C a day since then, and he's now 99, healthy as an ox, still vital, yes. still writing medical columns. For people yeah. that don't realize it, vitamin C is the primary source of energy to your cells. It's literally the fuel on which your cells run. Now, I mean, there's lots of other things that provide energy, lots of other things that support vitamin C, and they all interact together in what I call a large antioxidant matrix throughout your body. But uh, you, you, you stay low on vitamin C, you stay sick. You stay high on vitamin C, you stay well, and you live longer. It's really that simple. Vitamin C supplies and distributes electrons. What are electrons? Electrons, as they move in volume and rapidly, is called current, okay? Current exists in biological tissues. It what, what give tissues health because it is a reflection that electrons are moving through the tissue. And it's also what generates the healthy transmembrane voltages that have been well documented to be associated with healthy cells. So uh, vitamin C... Really, the greatest injustice to vitamin C is calling it a vitamin. It should really just be called nutrient C or nutrient ascorbate. Mm. It has vitamin-like qualities insofar that if you get practically none of it in your diet, you develop the deficiency disease called scurvy. But generally, a vitamin is not needed in larger amounts than what it takes to prevent the deficiency disease. That concept, though, has been completely shattered by vitamin C because you need tons of it because your body used to make it genetically, and for whatever reasons, by mutation, we lost that ability. But when we look at animals of a comparable size to the human body that did not have this genetic loss of being able to make vitamin C, an animal the size of a 150-pound person can make 8, 9, 10, 11 grams of vitamin C a day, and here's the important part, and inject it directly into your circulation. So to be getting that amount of vitamin C directly in your circulation means a massive amount would need to be taken orally because I have vitamin C is not that well absorbed in order to achieve that same end. And when these animals are given life-threatening infections, the liver production of the vitamin C can go up to 20, 30, 40, 50 grams a day or more. So the problem is, is nearly all of us are in the same sick basket, if you will. Okay? It's very difficult for physicians, statisticians, statisticians health officials, etc., to properly analyze what's causing or alleviating a disease when there is really no normal control population because we're all affected by this. This is why age 40, 45, 50, we have diabetes, we have high blood pressure, we have fibromyalgia, we have migraines, and we take three or four or five medications that relieve the symptoms, and we call good health, we meaning the population in general, Symptom control on a large number of medicines, age 50 and above. I mean, you don't see any animals in the wild injecting insulin for their diabetes. And they don't <laughs> die of diabetes, okay? Because they make the vitamin C in their livers from glucose. That's really why you have so much glucose in your body is because it's being supplied as a substrate to your liver, which unfortunately is now no longer able to convert it into vitamin C, and instead it accumulates to excess so that humans are fairly unique in having diabetes because we're no longer properly metabolizing and turning the glucose into vitamin C in our bodies. I'll refer to my grandmother for just a moment. My grandmother lived to be 106, and she died somewhere in the 70s. And she actually came across the United States from Michigan to Utah in a wagon. So that's how oh, long wow. she had lived. <laughs> and my grandfather and grandmother lived in Salt Lake. And they grew all their own food. 
and they had their own cattle, and they had a farm. And to them, they ate organically their entire lives without ever using that word or knowing that that was, was a word. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They just that's how they ate. Of course, you know, let's have a barbecue. Well, I'll go kill something. I'll get a chicken out of the you know pasture. And now, a lot of years later, we're in a situation where we have toxins in our soil, we have toxins in the air that we're breathing, we have just a lot of pollution, added pollution. So it's even trickier in my mind that we don't produce vitamin C. I think my dog used to look at me in the mornings when I was taking vitamin C because I dissolve it in water and drink it. And my dog is looking at me like, why can't you make your own vitamin C? What's wrong with you? I make my own. Do do you think that we really need to, because of the total toxic load of the atmosphere and the foods and just everything, it seems even more vital to be taking vitamin C? That's an odd way of asking a question. Okay. No, no question at all. Relative to what's advised, namely 75 milligrams, Uh, we should be taking massive doses of vitamin C a day. Uh, You see, the thing is, is there's a big difference between staying alive and reaching optimal health. A big, big big difference. Okay, and and the body, perhaps, unfortunately, in one respect, can take a large amount of abuse until you realize that whatever your lifestyle is, is isn't coming close to giving you your chance of optimal health seen so many times now with uh, people who are, for the first time, really understanding, appreciating, discovering vitamin C, and they start taking vitamin C, especially in a liposome-encapsulated form. Uh, I've worked with a company called Live On Labs for some years now, and really they make about the only, in my opinion, proper liposome preparation out there because there's a lot of fraud in the liposome business. And after people take a few packets of this liposome C for a few days, they start feeling so much better in general, they're very quite puzzled. And they suddenly realize that, whoa, this is what health is supposed to feel like. I mean, there's so many things that you have and you never get rid of them. They finally become part of the noise in the background and you just accept them. But then when you start dosing high levels of vitamin C, all of a sudden little aches and pains go on. All of a sudden the vision is crisper and clearer. All of a sudden you're remembering things and you say, wow, I, I couldn't remember that before. That was always bothering me. Uh, headaches disappear. Energy goes up. And people then develop what I call a renewed health intuition. What do I mean by that? I mean that not only does the vitamin C raise their overall level of health to a level that they've never before appreciated, it also makes them keenly aware when that fine level of health becomes compromised. So let's say you feel absolutely fantastic one day, and then the next day you don't feel sick. You know, you can still do everything, but you're just not at the top of the mountain anymore. And you know there's been, intuitively, an infectious or toxic hit on you. And then you hit the vitamin C extra hard that day, perhaps with a few other good supplements like magnesium and vitamin D that we might talk about. And then, lo and behold, you go back to that good level of health because you identified a new source of toxicity because that's how infections damage you is by supplying new toxins, you were able to identify and eliminate that new source of toxicity and rapidly get back to uh, your relatively perfect level of health. So you're preferring the the live on labs, liposomal C. I take a powdered buffered vitamin C that I just did two grams per scoop and I take that four or five times a day. Well, let me say this. And I, when yes. you say buffered vitamin C, I hope you don't mean calcium ascorbate. No, I do not. Okay, because that's what a lot of quote unquote buffered vitamin C's are: is calcium ascorbate, whereas sodium ascorbate also causes no stomach upset and doesn't give you a toxic load of calcium. Uh, you may or may not realize I've written a book called Death by Calcium, and the amount of calcium we take in supplements in our diet is the major contributor 
to the level of toxicity we have in our cells promoting all diseases. So, so as long as you're not taking the calcium, that's fine. And let me just say, you can get pretty much all the benefits of vitamin C with the less costly forms, but you have to be very dedicated. You have to take them on a regular basis in good amounts, uh, whereas a proper liposome encapsulation like LiveOn is literally actually a long-acting form of calcium. Why do I say that? Because it gets absorbed quickly and completely into the lymphatics and then distributes to the blood supply to all the cells. And then because of the liposome, it gets taken up into the cell without the consumption of energy and then gets trapped there. So basically you, uh, whereas when you take regular vitamin C, uh, putting your regular vitamin C down, it gets into the blood, but it doesn't have the same encapsulation that helps it get inside the cell. And instead, a lot of it then gets excreted in the kidneys before it has a chance to get taken up. So bottom line is I've personally mm. and with some other individuals, I mean, I love, for example, intravenous vitamin C. It's phenomenal beyond imagination for so many different things. However, I've had equivalent clinical impacts with a much lower uh, gram dosage of oral liposome encapsulated C from LiveOn in resolving infections. I'd only discovered that because when I first got the product many years ago, uh, I had closed my clinic and then I got sick with the flu and I couldn't go run in and get an IV vitamin C anymore. And I'd already taken so much regular powder that I had intolerable diarrhea and I still felt sick. And I saw this product that they had given to me to try out. They told me it didn't cause a bowel effect. So I said, that's great. I took about five grams of that orally. And then within an hour, I felt better than I'd ever felt before after a 50 gram vitamin C IV. Now that's my experience, very anecdotal. But to one degree or another, I've seen that type of experience repeated multiple times now. And it's beyond what we want to talk about here, but there's very good solid reasons why a properly produced liposome, it's like a little artificial cell, but much tinier, can merge with the cell walls, merge, literally merge with the cell walls mm. because it has the same membrane around it as the cell. It was actually created as an artificial cell back in the 60s. The only problem, and let me repeat it, to anybody that's listening is live on, and they started about 18 years ago, has had such a phenomenal growth that everybody and his brother and his sister has come out with a supplement that they call liposomes. I mean, it's just fraudulent beyond all imagination, but until the FTC comes in and shuts you down, you can do anything you want or say anything you want. The problem is, is even though those do have vitamin C, and people get better and figure they're getting better because they're taking liposomes. No, they're getting better because they're taking vitamin C. But they don't get the benefit, and this is really tragic, like in a cancer patient or something like this, of the truly supreme intracellular delivery with good liposomes, such as what Livola makes. So you think you can get the same kind of, I'll use the term, hit, from a liposomal C that you would from an IV vitamin C? Yes, I do, if you take enough, if you take enough, okay? Um, mm. It's very easy for good health just to take one or two packets a day, but let's say you're being having some sort of syndrome or problem that you'd want to go get an IV for or a clear-cut infection or something like that, and when you consider the fact that going and getting an IV or vitamin C might cost you, let's just say, $150, for 50 grams. Well, for much less money, maybe $60, two boxes of this, which is 60 packets, one gram each, you take five packets every hour for a day or two, and you get the same, if not a better effect, in my experience. And you're getting the benefit of the that fatty substance bonding to the right. outside of the cell, so it's still cold. readily Absolutely. available. Okay. It's a very positive supplement in and of itself. That's correct. Awesome. This leads me, I'm, I'm going to jump slightly because I see what our time is, and I want to talk about 
hydrogen peroxide, nebulized of hydrogen peroxide, because this seems to fit into the same category of you have something, you feel something, and you want to, what I would call, hit it now. Would you talk about the hydrogen peroxide nebulization sure. therapy protocol, whatever the, however we would phrase that? Hydrogen peroxide nebulization, first of all, and <laughs> I take it as an indication that, and I know it's been helping a lot of people around the world, I get the emails all the time, is I wrote a book on hydrogen peroxide nebulization called Rapid Virus Recovery, No Need to Live in Fear, and I've made a point of giving away the ebook. I only charge if somebody wants to order the physical book. And we've now had over 200,000 people download or buy the book. And it's caused a great deal of upset in the mainstream medical community that's come out attacking, attacking hydrogen peroxide as this horrible caustic agent that causes all so many problems. And the last thing it should do is be inside your lungs. Well, I've got news for those people if they want to listen to scientific reason, is that the cells in the line cells, the, the cells that line your respiratory airways naturally secrete hydrogen peroxide into the airspace. It's the body's natural mechanism to deal with every time you take a breath and breathe in a pathogen your body puts out some hydrogen peroxide to deal with that pathogen. It's absolutely the most elegant type of therapy there is. Now, anything that can kill a pathogen can be toxic if you take too much or too high concentration. So it's absolutely ridiculous to talk about what 10 or 50 or 70% hydrogen peroxide can do to you or burn your skin when we're talking about 3% or less. There's really no substance on the planet other than actually maybe vitamin C that's not toxic. You drink too much water, you die. That's pretty toxic. So what we found with the hydrogen peroxide utilization is your number one, this is another thing too, people think 3%, that's so concentrated. Well, you're only inhaling a fine mist of it. It's not like you're coating the airways with liquid hydrogen peroxide. They very recently came out with an article where they looked at animals' lung cells with the cilia, and they found that soaking, soaking those, those cells in hydrogen peroxide started killing the cilia. Well, of course, because it's concentrated and also because they're not treating a pathogen. The hydrogen peroxide there in higher concentration is to kill a pathogen. And this is well documented outside the body, inside the body. Hydrogen peroxide is the body's natural mechanism, often in conjunction with vitamin C, to destroy a pathogen through a reaction called the Fenton reaction inside the cells. And what's also elegant about it, Richard, is when you have a high pathogen concentration in your nose, throat, airways, and you inhale the proper concentration of hydrogen peroxide, a number of things happen. Number one is the peroxide rapidly kills the pathogen, number one. Number two, when it finishes killing the pathogen, it breaks down into two things water, and oxygen. Now, there's nothing better for healing a damaged tissue than oxygenation and hydration. And furthermore, the added water form allows increased mucus formation so that you can further cough out whatever debris might have been generated with the breakdown of the pathogen. In point of fact, it's absolutely the most ideal antipathogen therapy and for those who are religious, it's God-given. For those who aren't religious, it's nature-given. But it's the way the body is supposed to work. And the actual clinical data that we've uh, accumulated is just enormous. I, I have seen, I, was unable, I would never do this because it would be unethical uh, to find a COVID patient and tell the COVID patient, well, just, just nebulize this peroxide, let's see how you do because there's so many other things that could help, so many other things that can resolve COVID. Well, I gave a 
nebulizer to a friend of my wife in Columbia, South America. That's where my wife is from. She used it to resolve her cold very quickly, and she asked me, what well, you leave? can you leave the machine here to give it to me? I said, sure, $30 machine, big deal. And over the course of the next year, as the pandemic hit, she became the doctor of her little barrio. Very bright young lady. She saw 20 people in her barrio that had advanced COVID. What do I mean by advanced COVID? Well, many of them not only had the positive tests, but they were also severely short of breath. I mean, I would, without being dramatic, say they were all 20 were pretty close to dying. Now, you know, we think about vitamin C and vitamin D and all these other things we take all the time, and they're great and they're wonderful, but guess what? When you are poor as a stump, you can't afford any, any vitamin C. You can't afford any vitamin D. You can't afford any supplement. You can't afford any quality organic food, anything like that. So my point is, by necessity, these 20 patients receive only hydrogen peroxide nebulization. Uh, my friend did an incredible thing by modifying the protocol so that all 20 got a full 3% concentration, which is basically the over-the-counter preparation of peroxide, and nebulize them for a full 30 minutes, three times a day. So that was 90 minutes of nebulization a lot. Now, that's what I, what I routinely recommend. That's a large amount, and if you're not fighting a really deep-seated infection, you'll start oxidizing tissue and causing problems, but not in these patients. They as a bunch of them said, well, it burns a little bit, but wait, I'm already breathing easier, so I don't care. It can burn. I don't mind. She treated for three days that regimen, and the last two days, she cut the concentration in half and did it for 90 minutes a day for two more days. And in five days, there was a complete cure of 20 out of 20 advanced COVID patients with severe shortness of breath on hydrogen peroxide nebulation, nebulization alone. Again, I could never have done that because I would have been compelled to give as many other good things as I want, but they weren't available, and this was able to show us the power of hydrogen peroxide nebulization and hydrogen peroxide in general inside the body for virtually any infection, but especially for COVID. Wow. That's great. I just love that kind of here, use this, and it's easy and simple. As you say, they don't go to the local pharmacy and get, or not pharmacy, but vitamin store and just pick up another bottle of vitamin C or vitamin D or, you know, right right place, right time. Congratulations to everybody. That's amazing. And it's never been, not a theory that's ever been known to bankrupt the family, destroy the college funds for the kids, and make them lose the and it'd be left in the street. I got to say, modern medicine almost seems to enjoy doing that on a regular basis. I, I've never seen less sympathetic souls in my life than collection agencies from a hospital charging astronomical amounts of money for procedures. Let me just add, I was recently in Columbia, recently in Columbia, and I had a minor outpatient surgical procedure. I had a little tiny hernia on my navel Okay. Now, with the help of my friends down there, I went and I consulted with the surgeon, paid the clinic, got the anesthesia and the anesthesiologist and a full staff for an operating room, had the procedure done, wow. recovery room, work it out, and uh, you know how much that cost? $1,500. Huh. In the United States, it wow. might have started at twenty thousand. I mean, how many yeah. how, how many stories do you hear about going into the emergency room, getting antibiotics and a band aid, and walk out with a thousand dollar bill? Do you really think you yeah. get anesthesia, a surgeon, a room? Point is, is we just unconscionable, unconscionable in this country as to how we destroy people's economic capacities with their largely fraudulent medicine and their deliberate suppression of things like I'm talking about that actually help 
and don't, don't destroy the patient economically at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's another show. I'm making a note. That's <laughs> another show we could do for the whole hour on easily. One of the things, I can't remember if I read or heard you say this because I've listened and read so much by now, that you talk about we're walking around in life and we're inhaling and we're swallowing stuff that gets into our gut, into our system every day, just out walking around breathing, the, whether it's a pathogen or it's a glyphosate or it's you know toxins from cars or just anything, any of the possible well, toxins available to us. And then, I think what you, and okay, then we go ahead. Oh, okay. And then, so we swallow all that. Yes, go ahead. I've talked a lot about chronic pathogen colonization in yeah. the nose, in the throat. And the nasty thing about chronic pathogen colonization is anybody who's had a cold or the flu or any upper respiratory infection and gotten over it, clinically they feel fine but they did not ever take an agent that could destroy the biofilms that always accompany these. They permanently have a chronic pathogen colonization in their nose, throat, and airways. And what happens is when they swallow, every time they swallow, they swallow pathogens, they swallow toxins, the pathogens that do get destroyed break open and release a large amount of highly peroxidant free iron into their gut, and this is why so many guts are deranged. And this is also a fabulous benefit of hydrogen peroxide nebulization periodically, not every day, not all the time, not for long periods of time. Knocks out these pathogens and gut function recovers like you wouldn't believe. Uh, I had one, one patient re- report back to me, not a patient, somebody talked to me in the email that uh, after they started the peroxide nebulization for a few months, not immediately, they completely resolved their Crohn's disease that they'd already had for years, mm. bedridden, tons of medications, wasting away the peroxide nebulization, completely resolved that condition. <clears throat> it was a 16-year-old kid <clears throat> who then became very active at school, sports and everything else. Another lady reported back to me about the black mold poisoning that her entire family had, multiple hospitalizations, had to move out of the house, ICU, etc. Same thing. When she and her family started peroxide nebulization, this occurred rapidly, didn't take months. Almost immediately, all their problems were gone from the black mold. So this is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. We have so many, well, we have, we have a, a complete industry based on Digestive adjuncts. I mean, go to your pharmacy, your drugstore, and just see, or your Walmart, and see the aisles and aisles and aisles of, of antacids and antidiarrheals, anti-constipation, you name it. And most people would not eat anything at all, need that at all. I almost called, as a matter of fact, because I did write it for the pandemic rapid virus recovery, but I had noted these effects on the gut before the pandemic. And I almost, I'm glad I didn't because it would have been, not been properly appreciated, but I almost called the book Rapid Gut Recovery because it does that just as much. And because of the effect that it has on the gut, it normalizes, stops the leaky bowel, normalizes the abnormal microbiome that's making pathogens secrete toxins that you would normally get across a leaky gut, but you've resolved that leaky gut by stopping the pathogens that you swallow. I think any protocol for treating anything should include a course of hydrogen peroxide nebulization simply because of the effect that it has on an abnormal gut, which everybody now recognizes as negatively impacting every part of your body and every disease process that might be going on. Only that. <laughs> it just blows my mind. And somewhere in well, here... Well, I'm not suggesting it as a monotherapy. I mean, do whatever else you no. think helps. I don't think, for example, I don't think probiotics do, do a whole lot of good. But 
I tell people, you know, if you feel it makes you better and if you feel better on it, by all means, take it. But you're not really addressing why you have that problem. Yeah. And somewhere in here, I can't remember the where, but I heard you mention, it was in a show, I suspect, that what is the PBM Society? Because this seems to be an effect that occurs fascinatingly occurs from doing okay. a lot of this. That's funny, but it's, but it's an excellent question, all right? I have a lot of give and take and conversations with my friend, Dr. Ron Honeyhackey of the Reardon Clinic, vitamin C capital of the world there. And when I first started nebulizing hydrogen peroxide, I did it long before the pandemic. I was researching my magnesium book. And I'd had a problem with my sinuses all my life. So I said, well, it, I saw hydrogen peroxide, another nebulization. I said, nebulization? That's what I needed for my sinuses, something good to nebulize. So anyway, the first time I nebulized with hydrogen peroxide, I don't know, about uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, the next morning I had the most incredible, perfect bowel movement of my life. I mean, I was in my 60s at the time. I never had a bowel movement like that in my life, you know. A little loose, not well formed. This one was perfect. And I talked to my buddy, Dr. Ron, about that. He started the nebulization. Same thing happened to him. So we jokingly formed what we call the PBM, the Perfect Bowel Movement Society. <laughs> so we're, a, we're a, a chairman and CEO of the PBM Society. I would definitely wear that hat at a uh, at any of the conventions I go to now. I'd be happy to be wearing the PBM Society hat. I think it's an amazing because we have so many bowel issues. There's so much writing about microbiome and gut health and what you can oh, do let me and add how you can do it. Too, because if we're talking about this, Richard, mm -hmm. is for myself. You know, I, I I can only really tell you what happened to me. Sometimes what happened to my patients, but with regard to this, for myself. Let's just say for a week or two, bowel movements perfect, perfect, perfect. I don't nebulize that much, very rarely these days, very rarely. But one day, toward the end of the day, there'll be a little bit of a loosening of the bowel. It may not, not diarrhea, but just not this super well-formed bowel movement anymore. And I might notice, if not a tickle in the throat, just a little drip or two out the nose, and I'll say, aha. Something's coming back. I nebulize like crazy, and then the next day, bowel movements are perfectly normal again. Nose is perfectly fine. So for me, the decline in the quality of the bowel movement is for me a perfect indicator that I'm starting to contract or, or be exposed to and colonizing another new virus or pathogen in my nose and throat. Hmm. So you have a built-in sort of monitoring system that we can use as a level of like, oh, it's an indicator. Exactly. For me, it works. I mean, I, I have a lot of people yeah. that have told me their bowel movements have improved. I haven't extensively interviewed them to see whether or not they're really turned, uh, really tuned into the nuances here, like I just said. But for me, it's very elegant, works extremely well. I've done it on multiple occasions. So, you know, over the past year, there's probably been, you know, four or five times where, oh, it's not so perfect today. Hit the peroxide nebulization one time, and then everything's perfect again the next day for several more weeks to months. Do we need, what do we need to nebulize? I think we should, I see we're heading toward the end zone. What do we need to nebulize? Do we need an expensive medical piece of equipment? Do we need special gadgets and things? How do we nebulize? Are we using a cannula? Are we holding it to our face with a mask, like the plastic mask that they have with some nebulizers? How do we nebulize? Well, it's kind of funny. My perception is shortly after all this started and the book started getting out and lots of people started nebulizing, all of a sudden people started telling me, I can't get a nebulizer. Amazon or somebody says, I need a prescription. I mean, wow. the thing is, is this is a simple device that's been around for ages, probably used mostly traditionally for 
treating asthma or pulmonary conditions in kids, adults too, okay, and it's absolutely not a prescription agent, uh, prescription item, although there legitimately was for a brief period of time, not anymore, ironically enough, uh, a requirement by some of these websites to have a prescription before they did it. I mean, however, that's no longer a problem. Uh, they probably realized how foolish it was, maybe. But anyway, a nebulizer is a simple air pump. It's really not a complex device. It just blows out air at a, at a, at a high, rapid rate. And when you have the nebulization chamber, it's designed so that when you put four or five or six cc's of whatever it is you're nebulizing, in this case, 3% or a lower concentration of hydrogen peroxide, the air jet somehow blasts that peroxide against a fixed obstruction, and that puts it into a fine atomized mist, which you then inhale. And uh, it comes with mask, and it comes with a mouthpiece. I think most of the time, it's good to use the whole mask because if you have something in your throat, you undoubtedly have it in your nose and airways as well. However, sometimes if you feel fine and you just really feel something is isolated in the throat and nowhere else, you can use the mouthpiece and do it more directly for, for the throat where you swallow. But in general, you want to treat as much of the upper airway passages, nose, throat, nasopharynx, and oropharynx as you can. Uh, and it's, they're as little as $30, uh, they're as much as $80 or $90 if you have special features, if they're smaller rather than larger. But, you know, if, <laughs> if you're not somebody that travels a lot or much at all, you know, get, get one of the larger units and it just sits wherever you want it to sit in the house. You're not going to be moving it around. It'll work perfectly fine, pretty much for as long as you're alive. These are simple devices and they don't break down. Now, they do have what's called the, the portable handheld nebulizers that use a different technology. Uh, and when they work, they work fine, but they break really easy and they're pretty expensive. So, I mean, if you have the excess cash and you travel a lot, you might want to get one of those as well. But for the basics, you just need a good air pump nebulizer with the appropriate connections. And they all come with the connections. You don't buy just the nebulizer. You get all the connections that come with it. And you're set. I mean, you just, you just uh, plug in the tube, uh, put the liquid in the chamber at the indicated level, not too high, not too low. Uh, turn it on and you see the fine mist coming out of the mask and, and you inhale that. Uh, a lot of times when somebody does this, the first couple inhalations are kind of tough, you know, a little, a little off-putting. But I don't know if it's an acclimation process or a slight coating of it, but after the first two or three breaths, then all of a sudden it becomes completely easy and relaxed. As long as there's pathogens. Once you've knocked out the pathogens, then you can start irritating normal tissue and people can figure that out for their own don't overdo it at the start and do whatever it needs to help relieve the infection and the symptoms and are there any precautions about using it too much like let's say you're fighting some bronchial infection or a sinus infection you feel like you know it doesn't have to be an infection maybe it's just an allergy attack can you do it too much too often is there any Absolutely. potential no no, okay. no question. Uh, 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 hydrogen peroxide is an oxidizing agent. And if you just repeatedly breathe in much higher concentrations of peroxide than your body naturally makes uh, on normal tissue, it's going to oxidize and inflame that normal tissue and give you a sneeze uh, and even sometimes a cough or sore throat. So absolutely it can be overdone. So... Uh, Everybody needs to figure out what works best for them, but I tell you what, you do nothing but good if you've already got a clear-cut infection that you're trying to clear out. Wonderful. It's just too cost-effective. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely. just like what a simple simple ability to have something that's on every shelf at every drugstore in America or a grocery well, it's store. it's so cost-effective that hydrogen peroxide is cheaper than water. How about that? 
<laughs> it's that a hold in a show. Wow. That's amazing. That's truly really amazing. I am stunned to find we're at the time when I want to ask you, where can people find out more about you and your work? And do you see people or are you out of that realm? No, no, I don't and... do consultations. I don't have a clinical practice. <clears throat> uh, okay. My website is peakenergy.com, P-E-A-K-E-N-E-R-G-Y.com. Uh, and I have a, uh, an Instagram account, Dr. Thomas Levy, Dr. Thomas Levy, at Dr. Thomas Levy, uh, and uh, we have a lot of information we put up there. And uh, I welcome emails, but it needs to be understood. I'm, I'm not going to do consultations, okay? So don't tell me I've got this. What do I do? Okay. Yeah. You can tell me a situation or something, and I'll send you information resources. I have three or four books that people can download for free. They're also available in Spanish on the downloads. There are lots of different articles that address all the issues I'm talking about, and I have no problem when somebody emails me sending them back those resources. And the email is simple. It's T-E-L-E-V-Y-M-D at Yahoo.com. Yahoo. Wow. That's a flashback. Okay. That's great. Dr. Levy, that was great. I knew it was going to be fascinating, but that was great, fascinating, and fun. Thank you so much. That was All right. wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your folks. Take care. Yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. And everybody else, have a great rest of the week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>